Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. I wanted to take a quick minute before we get going to let you know about the new YouTube channel that I recently started. On this channel, I teach software developers and mobile developers, and specifically, how to become independent consultants. If you've ever wanted to become an independent consultant but weren't sure how, then this is the channel for you. I'll talk about the billing rates that you need to set, how to find clients, how to find an evergreen source of clients, how to stay on new technology trends, how to promote yourself, how to market yourself, how to get insurance, you name it. If it's around working for yourself and independent consulting and software, I'll be talking about it. Ultimately, what being an independent consultant will do for you is provide you with more financial freedom and the autonomy to work for yourself and set your own hours. This is something that appeals to a lot of people. And if it appeals to you, then please check out my YouTube channel. And you can see that at donfelker.com YouTube, or just check out the link in the show notes. Again, that's donfelker.com YouTube. That'll take you directly to the YouTube channel. Thanks for checking it out. Let's get to the show. Hey everybody, in today's show, I'm going to talk to you about how you can optimize your home office so it's more enjoyable, so you look more professional, so you sound more professional, and overall, it feels better to work from home. Many of us have been working from home for the past year. This is 2021 as I record this, but a lot of us are not used to working from home. So I'm going to show you all of the tips and tricks and products that I have used and recommend because I've been working from home for over 15 years. This is my forte. This is something I have experienced for a very long time, and I have tried tons of products and tons of different things to see what works. And I'm going to share with you today what I have found that works. I'll be talking about different products from microphones to webcams, chairs, standing desks, and so forth. And uh, I'll recommend different products for you to take a look at based upon my experience. Now, this isn't the end-all, be-all type of review or anything of any products that I'm talking about, but these are merely things that I know have worked for me, and hopefully they'll work for you. All right, so let's hop right into it. What's the first thing that I recommend you get when you start working from home? Now, I'm going to assume you already have a desk, but we're going to get to advanced desk stuff here in a minute. The first thing you're going to need is a good microphone. Now, there's a bunch of microphones out there. The thing that I'm going to recommend that you get is some type of external microphone that is not your microphone that's on your computer. The microphone that's in your laptop, which is what I'm referencing, it's okay. It'll get you by in a pinch. But if you want to sound as good as possible, I recommend that you get an external microphone. So what kind do I recommend? There's a bunch of options out there. You could just go hog wild and... The majority of them are going to sound just better than what you have now in your built-in laptop. But here's a couple of them that I recommend. There's the Audio-Technica ATR2100X USB. Now, I'm going to give you lots of product codes in this podcast. I'm going to put all of them in links in the show notes below. So don't worry about taking notes. Uh, I'll just talk about each one of them. So we got the, and then you can click on the links uh, if you're interested. So we have the ATR2100 USB-X. This is a... Uh, microphone that is a USB microphone from Audio-Technica. It's very small and compact, very lightweight. And it's actually the microphone that Tim Ferriss uses when he travels and does his podcast. So uh, 
if you've ever listened to Tim Ferriss's podcast, and the majority of the time it sounds great. Uh, so if it's sounding great for Tim when he's traveling, you know it can sound good elsewhere. It's also a microphone that I've used directly on this podcast many times when I travel. Uh, when I go to clients in different cities and I'm in a hotel room and I have to do an interview or record a podcast, I will bring that microphone and it sounds fantastic. So that is going to be a pretty cheap option for you. You can also go with other ones such as the Blue Snowball or you can go with the, um, the Yeti. These are Blue Yeti, which is a Y-E-T-I. Both these are good options. Um, you just have to be aware that some of these microphones like the Snowball and the Yeti, um, their pickup pattern, which is the direction in which the microphone picks up sound, is not too favorable to home environments in my opinion. What that means by is it, it listens very well. Uh, which means it'll hear something happening in three rooms over, or as I like to say, uh, it'll hear a, mar a mouse fart from 200 yards away. So great microphones in regards to recording sound in general, but if we're looking for audio, uh, we're not looking to pick up a lot of uh, extraneous sound. However, if that's what you have, those are still fantastic mics. Don't, don't get rid of them. I actually used a snowball on this podcast for I think the first 15 episodes. So we have the ATR2100 USB, the Blue Snowball, the Blue Yeti. Uh, and now we're going to go up in price a little bit. All those are anywhere from 69 to like 100 bucks. Uh, from there, you're going to go up to the Shure MV7. This is a new microphone from Shure that came out. And uh, it's a podcaster level microphone, but sounds really top notch. Sounds good. Um, but this one's going to run you a couple hundred dollars. So if you want to up, up your game or you're or looking to have a, a good sounding microphone, you can go that route. A lot of people ask us, what do we use here on this podcast? Well, uh, Kaushik and I are kind of some audio nerds, so we use really high-end microphones, and it's the same microphone that Joe Rogan uses, and you've probably seen a bunch of uh, YouTubers and broadcasters use, and this is the Shure SM7B. Uh, with this microphone, it's quite expensive. I think it's four or $500. Um, depends if you can get it for sale. You also need some type of preamp that provides clean sound. That's going to run you anywhere from a couple hundred to $800, depends on the preamp you buy. And uh, you'll also need something known as a cloud lifter, which is a hundred, 200 bucks. So it's a very uh, pricey setup. Um, so I don't recommend that most people go that route, especially for a home office, unless you just happen to be an audiophile, which is someone who loves audio stuff and you want to play around with it. So those are the microphones. Again, the links will be in the show notes. Now, the one thing that I do recommend for everybody who does have a external microphone is you get a boom arm. And a boom arm is just gonna mount to your desk like a little clamp, and you can mount your microphone directly to it. This is really nice because it's kind of up in the air, and then when I need the microphone, or you need the microphone, you can just pull it down, pull it a couple inches from your face. When you're on your video calls, you'll sound really good, and then when you're done, you just push it out of the way, and you still have all of your desk space. All the microphones I talked about here, except for the SM7B, all come, I think, with just a simple tripod mount that you can just set on your desk. You'll need to stack that on top of some books to get it you know, equal to your, to your mouth. Uh, and then it's kind of in the way. So it's kind of a pain. So I recommend that you get a boom arm. These boom arms, uh, if you get a really cheap one, you can get it for like 20 bucks, but they make a lot of noise and are kind of clunky. I recommend getting the, uh, the Rode Podcaster. Uh, boom arm. Uh, it's going to run you like 99 bucks if you if you can find it online cheaper sometimes. Uh, then there's also another one from Heel, and that's H E I L, and that's the PL2T. I have both of these uh, boom 
arms. They both work great. Whichever one works better, the podcast, the podcaster, the Rode podcaster is going to be a cheaper option. Oh, I think the heel is about $30 more. Okay, so we got your microphone covered. This is going to give you the biggest bang for your buck inside of all of your video calls and anything like that, especially if you're going to do any remote presentations. Uh, furthermore, it opens up the door for you to do something like recording podcasts or uh, recording videos uh, or tutorials or anything like that. It really opens that door up. So next, uh, we have the audio down. Let's talk about the video. A lot of times your video from your webcam in your laptop will do fairly good. And, and that's kind of, it'll get you by good enough for what you need. Uh, however, if you would like, or if you have your laptop closed and kind of docked somewhere as I do, I don't have it open, uh, you'll want maybe an external webcam so you can, um, you know, start streaming or whatever and your video calls without having to open up your laptop. Now Logitech has a number of these uh, out there, these webcams, and which one should you choose? The There is the Logitech C920 and there's a C920 HD Pro. So there's a couple of options there. Um, that's going to be kind of your entry level webcam that you're going to find it most. I mean, you could probably find this at your local uh, electronic store uh, or even your you know department store probably even has it in their electronics section. Uh, of course, Amazon has it, uh, Best Buy, all those online retailers, you can find it there. It's got a lot of good reviews. Um, it's just a general decent looking webcam. If you're looking for something a little more high end, you can go with the Logitech Brio. And the Brio is nice because it's actually a 4K camera and it gives you more high definition. Uh, I've had both these, uh, the, the, <coughs> excuse me, the 920S and the Brio. Uh, I prefer the Brio. Uh, Brio is more expensive though. So again, this is going to be up to you what you prefer to do if you want to go with the 920 or the Brio. Uh, or again, if you don't mind having your laptop open for all of your video calls, that, that's fine. You can do that too. It's not required. This again, this is just, you know, if you're going to optimize your home office, for me, it's easy. I plug in my, I dock my my workstation, and then everything else is already connected and, and I'm off and running. So let's talk about the last option inside of webcams. And that is going to be the DSLR option. Now, if you happen to be a photographer or you just have a hobby of photography and you have a DSLR camera around, you can use that most of the time as your webcam and it's going to look phenomenal especially if you know how to operate the camera, set the lighting, the aperture, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can have a very pro-looking webcam environment. Um, however, depends on your camera, depends on the model, the make, everything. You might need an HDMI capture card for this, which could run you $100, $200. Uh, there's some cheaper ones, but they're kind of shoddy. Um, and then the challenge here really is going to be sometimes the audio and video fall out of sync. So you're going to have to figure that out. And that could be through your capture card. The USB could be too slow. This is all because of, you know, various frame rates and syncing things up. So that's going to be more of someone who really like wants to maybe start live streaming or kind of really get a professional look. Uh, you can do that with a DSLR. And I don't think that you need a DSLR to do some fantastic stuff. Uh, in fact, I have a friend of mine who has a YouTube channel, who has over a quarter million subscribers. He runs his entire YouTube channel off of his, uh, his microphone, which he had a pretty cheap microphone for a while, and then he upgraded to the same one I have. But his webcam is a Logitech Brio. He still uses a Logitech Brio, has over a quarter million subscribers. So you don't need the best equipment 
to get good quality content out there. So that's going to be your webcam options there. So if you want to go for the cheap option, uh, I'd go for the 920 or just stick with your one in your laptop. Uh, if you want 4K, go Brio. Uh, if you want to go high-end, uh, integrate with your DSLR. Now, I did mention docking. Uh, there's a bunch of different docking stations out there, so I can't cover them all, but I am going to tell you what I have. I have a, I think it's a Callbridge, uh, no, it's a call digit um, dock. Um, and what that allows me to do is I have a MacBook Pro, a you know, recent one, uh, with the USB-C. And what then I can do is I just put my laptop off to the side of my desk, and I have one cord that I plug into my MacBook Pro, and that's the USB-C. From there, it gets power, it gets everything is connected under HDMI, is plugged into the to the back of what is known as the call digit. The call digit is basically a little box has uh, USB in it, USB-C has uh, microphone inputs, has uh, headphone inputs, SD card reader inputs, uh, and I just leave that off to the side, uh, and then I plug everything into that, and then when I need to plug in my laptop, I just put it off the side, plug one cord in, and I'm done. And so we'll put that link in the show notes. That's a call digit. Uh, it's, I, w- I wouldn't say it's a dock, I guess you could say it's a dock, but I mean, it's not like a docking station. Uh, I'm just able to use one cord at that point to quickly move my laptop back and forth. This is fantastic because when I need want to go somewhere else and work or I have to travel, I can just unplug this thing, grab it and go, and I already have my power cord saved off into my, my bag and I'm ready to roll. Okay, so we've talked about microphones, webcams, a little bit of docks here. Uh, if you have Windows uh, dock, you got to look up your computer. There's v- various different docks out there. Check out Amazon, look up some reviews, but I recommend definitely getting a dock. Next, let's talk about lighting. Um, just as microphones are the best thing for audio to get you nice clean audio, the best thing that's going to work for your webcam to improve it is going to be lighting. You've probably seen uh, folks have their webcam on in a dark room and you can barely see their face. Um, that doesn't provide a very professional experience. I recommend getting some type of lighting on your face. If your desk is near a window and it's during the day, just open the curtains and let some natural light in. That's going to be the easiest and cheapest option. The second option, just have a desk lamp. Uh, you can find a various desk lamps that you like on Amazon. It can be relatively cheap up to super expensive that give you some light that will then cast onto your face. Lastly, if you really don't have anything and you just want something for webcams or live streaming or video calls, you can buy a mountable light from a company called LoomCube. And LoomCube has an option uh, where you can buy like a suction cup mount, mount that'll go on the back of your monitor or laptop and has a panel, like a little LED light panel that you can adjust the intensity of. You'll turn it on and basically it blasts your face with a bunch of lighting. So it's kind of a weird thing having lights shining right in your face. Uh, To everybody else who's watching the video though, it just looks good. It looks like you're in a well-lit environment and looks like you're much more present. Uh, Presentation in a lot of the stuff in the world is very important. So uh, if you can sound good and you can look good, you're gonna be ahead of the competition uh, tenfold. So it's not required, Uh, so again, you can just, I don't use a loom cube for me. I make sure I'm next to a window. I kind of let the natural light in and at night I'll uh, fire up a desk lamp here. I don't, I don't have a, a loom cube mount here, but those mounts uh, will mount to the back of your screen, like via a uh, like sticky suction cup option. They also have ones that you can mount to just um, regular different, you know, uh, poles and stuff like that as well. So depends on what you like. Okay. So we've got the lighting, we've got everything. You're sounding good. You're looking good. Uh, but what about sound for your ears? Um, 
sometimes when you're at home, there's other things going on. There's lawnmowers. There's other people in your house. There's all kinds of chaos going on. Maybe you live in a noisy environment and it's hard to focus. What I recommend doing is getting a pair of headphones that you can block out the world with. And what I mean by that is you want these headphones, you want to put them on and put some music on and just kind of be able to just zone everything out. Now, you can go with noise canceling headphones if you have that option and that's for you. Go for it. I know the Bose ones are really good. I tried some Audio-Technica ones, which were pretty good. I, on the other hand, cannot use noise canceling headphones. I am part of the 5% of the population that gets noise canceling sickness. Uh, I just get really nauseous when I use them. So if you're part of that, you'll want to use regular headphones. Furthermore, regular headphones are sometimes just a lot cheaper. So we'll go with those options. Uh, if you have noise canceling and you prefer that, good, use them. Uh, if you don't, what options do I recommend? Well, personally, right now, I use uh, Sony's MDR7506 professional headphones. These are headphones you see a lot of DJs use. Um, it has a very long cord that's coiled. Uh, you put some music on and literally the outside world disappears. Uh, it sounds really good, really clean sound, and uh, just comfortable headphones I can wear for many hours at a time. Uh, good stuff. If you are not a Sony person, you can check out some uh, M-Audio, excuse me, a Audio-Technica M50 um, headphones are great. Uh, they also have a M20, which is a cheaper version, which is great as well. So I'll put both the links in there for those. Um, or lastly, if you're not like a over-the-ear headphone person, uh, you just grab some good earbuds and you can use all different kinds of them. Uh, I, in fact, found some earbuds online years ago that were from, I forget the, I think they're called Explodes from JVC, a little red corded earbuds. I still, they were so good. I went out and bought three more pairs just in case they stopped making them. I don't even know if they make them. If they do, I will put a link in the show notes for them. Uh, and those are really nice just because if I don't want to, maybe I've, you know, recently did my hair and I don't want to mess my hair up from the headphones then uh, I'll put some earbuds in. So get some type of ear earbuds or headphones. You could use AirPods if that's your thing. Uh, you just want to make sure that you're able to block out the out outside sound. Okay, now let's move on to some more ergonomic stuff, which is really the game changer here. Uh, let's talk about chairs. Uh, we've already got, you've got a desk probably at home. Hopefully, if you don't, we need to get a desk. We'll talk about that in a minute. But chairs, um, chairs are one of the best investments that you're going to make in your life. And I'm going to recommend that you spend some good money. If you are a programmer and you're listening to the show, you probably are. Most likely you spend a large amount of time in a chair. I recommend that you spend the money and get yourself a good chair. You spend, you possibly send a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four, five thousand dollars in your computer. And you'll use that for a few years. Do yourself a favor. Spend $500 to $1,000 on a good chair or more. $500 to $1,500 on a good chair you'll keep for 10 plus years. This is your body. You only get one of them. You can't go down to the store and buy another one. You have to take care of the body that you have. And being in a good chair is going to be one of the best investments of your life. Okay, that rant said, what chairs do I recommend? Out of the gate, you're probably already ready to hear it. It's going to be the Herman Miller Aeron. I have tried a number of chairs from Herman Miller and so forth. And the Aeron is just the top of the line. That's my go-to, the Herman Miller Aeron. Um, that's again, I, you need to make sure you got the right size for you. They have different sizes. I'm six foot four. So I have to wear, I am a size C. 
Um, if you're smaller, you have a smaller frame, maybe you're size A or size B. Um, you need to check the size you have because it will it will matter. You, you want it to fit your body. Um, then you want to make sure you know how to use it. So Aeron is the number one if you can afford it uh, and go find it. And I recommend you f figure out a way to, to try to get a really good chair like this. Number two is going to be the Herman Miller Mira. I had the Mira for many years. I still actually have it and I use it in my basement. Uh, that's another great option as well. Um, so it's a cheaper version uh, of the Aeron. It's not as good as the Aeron. I would still aim for the Aeron, but if you can't get a hold of one, a Mira is a second good option. Um, however, before I'd even look at the Mira, I would look at a Steelcase Leap V2. So version two of the Steelcase Leap. Uh, I'm actually sitting in that chair right now. Uh, this chair is fantastic. Um, I love this chair. And the great thing about all these chairs are is they're repairable. So if you were able to find one or get one and the wheel, the caster wheel breaks on it or the piston, which kind of makes it go up and down is just kind of fading over time. You can just buy a new piston or buy new casters and just replace it. And your, your chair is, you know, brand new again. You can't go do that with some chair you buy from Walmart or whatever. You just got to throw it away. So these chairs again are all going to run you from 500 to $1,500 minimum. Um, so ha here's the hack though. How do you find one? Here's my tip. I have never paid full price for any of these chairs. The max I've ever paid for any of these chairs is $500. So how do you get an Aeron or a Mira or Elite V2 for that cheap? Number one, you got to watch Craigslist. Watch your online place. Have a search set up for Aeron, Mira, Steelcase. Look at what's going to have the money ready to go spend because what ends up happening is as soon as they come up, you got to be on it quickly contact the seller, tell them you're interested, go take a look at it, sit in it, make sure it's the right size, test it out. If it's good, you can make the purchase there and, you know, buy it for much cheaper. For example, my Herman Miller, uh, Herman Miller Mira chair retailed for $900. Uh, I got it for $225, uh, at a local from Craigslist, uh, an Aeron I got for $500, uh, a leap I got for $250. Um, one of the things you're also going to find is furniture liquidators. What happens is businesses go out of business, uh, but they have a ton of office equipment. And so what do they do with that? Usually they need to sell that office equipment and they'll take it to pay off debts. So what ends up happening, a office liquidator will come in and buy all of those items for a super discounted price because they're buying everything. They'll buy 300 chairs and 300 desks and everything like that but then they resell them. And so you'll find these all over the place. And there's actually one here in New Jersey that's not far from me that does this. And uh, that's how I found the Leap chair that I have is uh, I found that they were online selling the Leap chair and they just wanted 250 for it. I went in, checked it out, sat in it, tested a couple of them out, picked one out that I liked. $250 later, I have a very expensive, very comfortable, high quality ergonomic chair for a discount. So just make sure you go in, do your research and find one that works for you. You can get them at a much cheaper price. Just watch Craigslist uh, or any of your online um, classifieds and you'll find great, great deals. Okay. So now you've got your chair figured out. You've, you know, you've got one of those. It's great. Uh, let's talk about the actually probably one of the most important here, and that's going to be a standing desk. All right, so where do we start with standing desks? There's a ton of them out there. Um, I'm gonna recommend the ones to you that I have tried and some options uh, for 
semi-standing desk things in my opinions. So number one, I always refer to autonomous.ai. Uh, I have purchased a desk from them years ago, had a programmable uh, you know, up and down thing so I could set it to my height, you know, multiple different settings. Uh, mine actually just stopped working one day, like three or four months into having it. I contacted their customer support. Um, we worked through a bunch of you know troubleshooting. We could not fix it. They literally just sent me a whole brand new desk. Fantastic customer service. I couldn't believe it. They just said, we'll take care of it. We'll send you some repair stuff. And a few days later, a brand new whole desk unit showed up. Amazing. Um, the other op, you know, autonomous is great because it's, it's actually very affordable. And um, the thing that you need to think about is your desk size. I prefer a very large desk. So make sure you take out a tape measure and actually draw it out in your space and where you're going to put it. Say, all right, is this the size of desk that I want? And sit there with it and, uh, and so forth. I like having extra space because I'll have my notebook. I might have some coffee. I might have something else on the other side, uh, some note-taking stuff and diagrams. So that's what works for me. So autonomous is a great option. It's cheaper. Another one that's of good and cheaper quality is the IKEA Bacant. And I, it might have been renamed recently, but that's the name of the one that I'm actually sitting at right now. It's the IKEA Bacant. It does not have a programmable uh, up and down motor. It just has up and down. Um, so if you know how to set it, and you know what your ergonomics is like, it's really easy. It's not a problem. I don't care. Some people just love having the, the button that hit, you know, memory option number two, and it goes to the exact height immediately. If that's you, you'll want to get a programmable one like autonomous. There's a bunch of other options out there. I think it's ones like the Jarvis desk, and there's a number of them uh, out there as well. I haven't used any of those, but a lot of those are very high quality, but they do cost more. So, uh, if you're going to look at a higher quality one, just look at the reviews and so forth. But the real option is to get a standing desk. Now, I would be remiss to not mention the standing desk options that a lot of people like, such as the Veridesk, or a lot of people mention. I don't know if they like or not. Now, the Veridesk is something you can take and you can put on top of an existing stationary desk. And a Veridesk has two clamps on the side, and you can pull them up, and that spring loads up and turns your regular, basically, it's like this mechanical unit that has springs and levers and lifts up your monitor, which you put on the stand and your and your keyboard and everything, and lifts it up so you can stand up at a stationary desk. Now, a lot of people like these because you don't have to buy a standing desk. You can just put it there. I personally don't like the Veridesk. And the reason why, and I've used it many times, is when I'm sitting down at a stationary desk, it's just too high. At that point, I've already stacked something on an existing desk. My it's almost like my keyboard is an extra four to six inches above where it should be. Um, it's probably an exaggeration, probably two or three inches above where it should be. And it, I find it difficult to work in that kind of environment. And then also as a taller individual, I'm six foot four, even at its tallest height, it doesn't work for me. It's not tall enough. So you have to be aware of what that's like. I recommend you, if you're thinking about getting a Veridesk, find somewhere that has it locally, go check it out, see how it feels, sit down, bring maybe, I mean, it's gonna sound weird, but bring a keyboard into the office space place where they have one and see what it feels like where that keyboard's at when you're sitting at a regular desk, if it's gonna fit you. In my opinion, it's a stopgap solution until you actually purchase a real standing desk or if for whatever reason you can't purchase a standing desk because of office restrictions, that's an option. So be, for, be sure to, to take a look at it. Now, when you're at a standing desk, uh, what you're going to find is if you haven't done this, you're going to find you get tired. 
because you're burning calories, you're standing up. So there's a couple of ways to combat this to hurt, you know, sometimes your back will hurt, sometimes your legs will hurt. So number one, wear shoes. Sounds, you know, most people think, well, I'm at home, why should I wear shoes? But if you're home, wear shoes. Uh, They're padded and you'll actually feel a lot better when you wear your shoes at a standing desk. Furthermore, I recommend that you buy an anti-fatigue mat. Now you can buy one from Amazon. There's a ton of options out there. When I first did my first standing desk close to 10 years ago, uh, there was not really many options out there. Nowadays, there's all kinds of options on Amazon. You can find one that you like. Personally, I use the ergo-driven topo mat and it has a bunch of ridges and bumps on it. And then what you can do is I might be standing there with my shoes on for a while, but then I can put my heel on it or my toes on a certain ridge, stretch out my calf, stretch out different parts of my leg. I can even actually take my shoes off and put my the middle of my foot onto a, like a kind of a, a point, a soft point that they have and stretch out various parts of my foot while I'm standing there. So these anti-fatigue mats will help you last a lot longer during the day. Now, how long should you be standing? I recommend that you stand no more than 70% of the day. Some people prefer to stand all day. Uh, there's some science out there that says you shouldn't stand all day. I don't know. For me, I try to stand anywhere between 50 to 70% of the day. 70% is my goal. So definitely get an anti-fatigue mat that you can stand on when you're standing. Helps a lot. Makes you feel a lot better. Now, also, um, when you're standing, I recommend that you, if you have it, like a footstool or something that's a footstool height, put it next to your desk and then put one foot on that when you're standing. That's you know, think of this as like the Captain Morgan stance. We've all seen that commercial with Captain Morgan. So as the Captain Morgan stance, and by standing in the Captain Morgan stance, you'll actually you do some, uh, you'll rotate your hips a little bit. And there's, I learned this from Kelly Starrett, who I'll talk about in a minute, and he is a mobility expert. And he said this is something that bars figured out years ago by putting bars, by at a bar, you'll see the rail at the bottom of a bar, you know, where you go get some drinks. And they realize by putting a rail down there, people will put one foot up on it and it naturally relieves pressure in your hips and your lower back. So if you just have something you put your foot on that's around that same height, do that. I don't have a footstool, but I do have a lot of fitness equipment in my house because I'm into fitness. So I have a wall ball and I just roll my wall ball over here. I keep it next to me and I'll put my foot on it when I'm standing and you can rotate feet back and forth and just change things around and it feels, feels pretty good. Okay, so now you're standing. Everything's good. Uh, I'm going to provide some links also in the show notes. I highly recommend you look at because you need to know how to sit and stand. I mean, stand and sit at your desk. And Kelly Starrett, who ran Mobility Wad, which is now known as the Ready State, shows you how the how you set up the best way to set up to stand at a standing desk. Meaning, you might get it to the proper height or what you think is the proper height. And then he shows you a couple of cues that you can use to set up your arms so they're at the perfect level, your eyesight's the perfect level, your body's in the right position, so you're in a right ergonomically positioned area, the best for your body, so you're not hunched over or anything like that. And I'll provide the links in the show notes. They're quick, short videos. Probably some of the best few minutes you'll spend in ergonomics just watching these these older videos. Okay, so we've got the anti-fatigue mat. Now, let's talk about monitor. I recommend you have at least a single monitor external monitor so you're not just looking at your laptop down on your desk have an external monitor and then what you need to do is you need to know how to set your monitor height um some people are say well i want two or three monitors that's fine if that's you me personally i like one external monitor uh what size 27 to 35 inch it depends on your preference i have a 27 inch you can go to 35 inch what brand should you get that's up to you again there's a ton of brands out there 
Um, I'm using a cheaper Dell model that I got at a local Best Buy for sale on sale, and I've been using this for a few years. It works great. Now, uh, the monitors that you I would love to try or love to get would be a 4K monitor. Those are great, and the monitor that uh, I'm aiming for eventually uh, is the LG 5K monitor. I used this at a client recently, and it is a beautiful display, and I've never had such something so easy on my eyes and through looking at text everything was super crisp so um again doesn't matter which one you use but choose one that's you know choose an external monitor 27 to 35 inch make sure it's at least hd you can go 4k or 5k just choose one you like the real thing i want to get at here is make sure your monitor is set to the proper height for your ergonomics based upon a lot of research the height should be the top of the monitor should be at where your eye line is at so if you're sitting up tall and straight the top of the monitor should be parallel to your eyes so you're naturally kind of slightly looking down at your monitor and i've had mine set up like this for years it feels great in fact i probably have mine just maybe a half inch taller just because of how i like to have my screen set up so play with it uh, and, and see how you like it. The goal is to not be staring up all the time, but to be looking directly at the middle of your monitor where all of your content is going to be. Now, in order to do that, your monitor stand, if it's just on a monitor stand, is probably not tall enough. So you could take the cheap way, take a bunch of books, stack them up high. The problem there is now you got a bunch of books taking up space, but I did that for many years. That works fine. However, if you wanna go to the upgraded version, I recommend that you get a monitor arm and you can buy a monitor arm on Amazon. There's one from Amazon Basics that works very well. I've used that one for a couple of years. Uh, and it doesn't cost much. And you can then mount that to the back of your monitor if it has a, a I think it's a Versa mount, uh, which most monitors come with. And at that point, you can kind of actually grab your screen and move it around all over the place to the perfect height that you would like. That is probably one of the best purchases I've made in a long time. However, after a long period of time, I realized that my monitor arm didn't go high enough because I am very tall, I have a very long torso, the monitor stand didn't go tall enough. So I actually went out and bought a taller one from Ergotron, which I'll, again, these will be links in the show notes. Ergotron, which was a much uh, nicer monitor mount, but also allowed it to go much higher. So this one is perfect for me, was the Ergotron for what I liked. So get it set up, get a single monitor at least, get set to the proper height. If you can get a monitor stand, it's gonna make your desk a lot cleaner, make it easier. You can set things exactly how you like them. All right, we're almost getting done here. Let's talk about the keyboard. Um, ultimately use one that you like and feels good. Uh, if you're having RSI, which is repetitive stress injuries, or you're feeling your wrist and, and your fingers, things are starting to hurt your back or whatever, uh, mainly your wrists and so forth and your arms, or even elbows, um, you might wanna look at some other ergonomic keyboards. I had a problem a number of years ago where I was concerned I was not going to be able to program anymore because my uh, RSI, repetitive stress injuries, was so bad. Everybody said, you've got carpal tunnel. You need to go get surgery. No. Um, most of the time, you probably don't need surgery. There are people that do, so I'm not going to deny that, but try to treat the symptom you know, before you start cutting into yourself. So I... Um, went out and spent some good money on a keyboard. Personally, I use a Kinesis Advantage 2. Very weird key keyboard. All the keys are kind of like, almost like pushed in. Like if someone were to take a bath, you were to take a, take the right-hand side of your keyboard, take a basketball and wrap the keyboard around the basketball. 
That's how the keys are shaped. It's like it was wrapped around a basketball. So both sides have these two indentations. Uh, you actually have to use different fingers for certain keys like C, V, and B, and then your arrow keys are different, and then space and enter, all those, and alt, all those are different. So it took me about two weeks to learn how to re rewrite and type on this keyboard. However, since then, which is years ago, I don't have any RSI issues. They're completely gone. Um, I've had no surgery. It's fantastic. I've just focused on mobility, you know, making sure everything's stretched out all the time. I'm being, you know, taking care of myself and I have good ergonomics and a great keyboard. Now, some people don't like the key Kinesis. There's another one called the Moonlander. Uh, I'll again, provide links in the show notes for these. Uh, or if you have another option, which there's a number of them out there, use one that works. I was an original user of the Microsoft Ergo 4000 years ago. Um, and that one eventually didn't help enough, which is why I kind of had to upgrade to these new options here. The goal of, for example, the Kinesis is to limit the space that you have to move your fingers. It's the distance you move your fingers. On my Kinesis, I barely move my fingers at all. Like I barely, if you watch my fingers, they're barely moving. They're just pressing the keys down because the keys are right there next to where my fingers are naturally at. Now, if you take a flat keyboard, you realize you kind of have to like twist your wrists a little bit and you have to reach for certain keys. On the Kinesis, that's not like that. Your hands rest in a natural position. The same for some of the other ergonomic keyboards. If that's not bothering you, then just roll with whatever keyboard you like. It could be just the magic keyboard from Apple or it could be a mechanical keyboard you picked up online. Use what you like in that regard. Let's go to mouses. For mice, you can use the magic trackpad. That's what I like to use. Uh, I think it's just really nice. I don't have to really do much movement. Uh, I have the nice speed set up to it so I can barely move my fingers and it goes wherever I want. I, can, I use uh, everything. I use single tap. I don't do press to tap. So there's that, you know, nice haptic feedback inside of the magic trackpad. I turn, I, that's still on, but everything I do is single tap. So if I want to click a link, it's just a single tap. I don't have to double press or press hard. And then it's, you know, two fingers for, for right click. Now you can use a trackpad. You could use whatever mouse you would really like. And there's also a lot of people that have had RSI issues that like the kind of trackball type of mouses where they just sit their hand on the mouse and they're their thumb uses a ball to roll around and then they click with their fingers. There's a lot of friends of mine that, that love those mice. Again, I'll provide a link in the show notes for the ones that they use. Uh, they said it's helped them significantly. So find one that works best for your environment uh, and then roll with that. Okay, on to the last thing before we get to a couple last resources here. This one is a little bit different. This is air quality. You might be thinking, what does this have to do with my office, my home office? Well, air quality is actually a humongous indicator of how well you're going to operate. Now, air quality inside of your home office varies a lot. You probably don't even know this. And this especially is true throughout different periods of the day. For example, in my house, in the morning, my air quality is very good. Towards the middle of the day, around lunchtime, it kind of gets kind of bad. And then towards the evening, it's real bad. And then... Uh, after dinner, everything kind of clears up again. So how do I know this? Uh, I use an aware element and this is a air quality monitor. And what it does is it shows you a rating of your temperature, your humidity, your chemicals, your dust and uh, CO2. And it gives you a rating out of a hundred. Anything above 80 is considered good. I consider anything above like 85 to 90 good. Um, so if I'm, you know, any, 
on the unit itself, it'll give you a number and then like a light. Right now my light in my office here is green and it's at 89. And I can see that my temperature is probably a little off and the humidity is off right here. So uh, if it were to be optimal, I'd need to improve those uh, areas. So I have two of these in my small house. I have one by my office, by my desk where I spend a lot of time so I can make sure where I'm at here, I have good air quality. And then in my home, over by the main living area, I have another one. And what I've noticed is around lunchtime, I get very tired, not because I've eaten, but I would just get naturally very tired. And it wasn't until I installed the air quality monitors that I realized my CO2 was spiking around that time. So I was naturally just getting too much CO2 in my house, which the way you can usually solve that is just open a window. I'd open up a window and within five minutes, it would correct itself um, and I'd feel better. So it's amazing the the amount of impact air quality has on your day-to-day -day work environment. So I definitely recommend getting these. There's ways you can improve your air quality through air purifiers as well. I don't have any of those, but I'm thinking about getting one. Uh, and there's all kinds of stuff you can do. If you wanna learn more about this and see if this is something you even wanna dive into, I rec I'll provide a link to a link that David Hannemeyer Hansen did uh, about it. The I'll give you a fair warning, the audio sucks. It's like horrendous, um, meaning that the quality of the content is phenomenal, but it's like it's recorded on someone's phone microphone. I mean, it, sometimes I, I stop, rewind it, and listen to it, but just know that that you're going to have some rough areas on it, put some headphones on, and just watch the video. It's about an hour long, and he talks about all of these things and why they're important and what they do. Um, and so that was kind of the impetus for me to go purchase a couple of these. And I'm glad I did. Um, I now know what's going on in my house. And what you'll find is, especially during times of like when you cook, so you cook some food, your air quality will go to garbage uh, real fast because of just all the particles that are in the air. It's just not good for you. So that's why you need to open up windows uh, and so forth. And a lot of times that's the solution, <laughs> open up the window. If you live in a very polluted environment, that could be a different situation. You might want to look into some air purifiers, uh, get some plants like snake plants. Um, those also are natural air purifiers as well and have a number of those throughout your house. So that's going to be uh, the last one there that helps you out. Now, here's some additional resources that you should check out and might interest you. Um, number one, there's a book called Deskbound. This is by Kelly Starrett. This book, do not buy the Kindle version, buy the physical version. The deskbound book is full, chock full of color photos, diagrams of how to sit, how to sleep, how to stretch out for people that work at desk jobs. This book I literally think should be a requirement at every company to just have there, sing so people can thumb through it and take a look at it. You'll learn a ton about it, about how you're sitting, what's hurting, and that's a good point. Maybe your hip hurts, uh, you feel like you have a hip impingement, your knee hurts, your ankle hurts, your back hurts. There's all kinds of prescriptions inside of there about how and what to do exercises and, and stretching to help you get back into better body mechanics. So check out the Deskbound book. Another one here, tons of people in tech suffer from back problems from sitting too much. Now you can solve a lot of this with standing and, and just movement and so forth, but hey, sometimes we're in pain. So this book is called Eight Steps to a Pain-Free Back. This one, again, do not buy on Kindle, buy the physical copy. It's full, chock full of examples of how to sit, different things you can use around your house like towels to roll them up to create natural traction for your back and so forth, how to sleep. Some of these things, I still, I read this book close to 10, uh, eight or nine years ago 
And I still use these things to this day to help me sleep better, to help me sit better, to help me walk better. Uh, definite game changer. Thousands of people have used this, these books here to solve their back pain issues just through fixing their day-to-day -day mechanics. Next, make sure you have a good pillow to sleep on at night. Make sure it's not too big, too small. Sometimes your neck can be thrown out of alignment. There is a pillow that I've recently been researching. I'll throw a link into it here that supposedly helps quite a bit that I'm still waiting to get on, so I can't re reply on its efficiency, but I'll provide a link to it. It kind of has like a little divot inside of it that your head naturally sits in. I'll provide a link to it in the show notes. Um, also, you want to grab what's known as a foot rubs massage ball. It's a small little one and a half, two inch green knobby ball that's a few bucks. I think it's five or six dollars on Amazon. I keep it at my desk. And then when I'm sitting down or even standing up, I'll throw it on the floor, take my shoe off, and I'll just roll my foot. Find a spicy spot, which, you know, kind of hurts, and just let it sit there. And then after a minute or so, it usually loosens up. And then I'll just keep doing that on both feet. You'll find there's a ton of tension. Everything's locked up in your foot a lot of time. It just helps release all kinds of good stuff. We could have a whole podcast on just like foot stuff for like, you know, releasing tension and so forth. Uh, but this little foot rubs massage ball, game changer. I actually bring one with me when I travel as well. And I get done off of an airplane. Uh, I get to the hotel room. I'll, rub my, I'll roll my... Um, my legs out. You can also use it on your calves as well if you just lay on the sit on the floor and just kind of set it under your calf. Um, next is the lacrosse ball. Grab a lacrosse ball at your local sports sporting goods store, keeping it with you at your desk. And then when you're sitting down, take it, shove it underneath one of your thighs. Uh, find a place that's spicy, that hurts, and just let it sit there. Let it sit there for a minute or two until your the pain and everything subsides and releases and just move it around. If you do this 10 minutes a day every day, your mobility is going to go through the roof. You're going to feel a lot better in, in your in your thighs and everything like that. It's just going to feel good. You can do the same thing. Take that ball, lacrosse ball, and put it to your back area. Find a spicy area on your back and just let it sit there and just kind of grind away at that and kind of loosen up that, that tissue. And lastly, if you have a problem with your shoulder for whatever reason, a lot of people do, there is a course uh, that I've actually taken and uh, it's helped me significantly called the shoulder pain protocol. I recently injured my shoulder last year and I've been rehabbing it. And this is this is by Kelly Starrett, the same author of the Deskbound book. And he walks you through various exercises that you can do at home to rehab your shoulder and various techniques you can do that. So definitely check that out if you're having any shoulder pain. So these here are the options which you can optimize your home office. You know, we talked about microphones. We talked about webcams. We talked about you know, docking stations, lighting, headphones, chairs, standing desks, anti-fatigue mats, monitors, keyboards, mouse, air quality, and some additional resources. There's going to be a ton of links in the show notes. And I hope this uh, information helps. Uh, in my opinion, this is probably one of the most important topics that we can talk about as people who spend a lot of time at your desk. You have one body, and if you've noticed... The latter half of this podcast was me mainly talking about your body, your chair, your standing desk, your chair, your anti-fatigue mat, your monitor. Make sure your monitor is set up right. Make sure you get the right keyboard, you know, your air quality. All of these things go into your own physical body. It has nothing really to do with you writing code, but it all impacts that at the end of the day. If you feel good, you're going to operate better. So you have one body. You have only one chance to take care of it, really. So 
start now, don't wait till later because the older you get, the harder it is to repair any damage that's made from early on. So again, I hope this podcast helps. Check out the show notes in the links in the description. Uh, If you have any questions at all, please hit me up on Twitter. I'll reply back as quickly as possible and I'll catch you in the next episode. Hey everybody, thanks for staying on and listening to the show. Before we get going here and head on out, just wanna remind you to please check out the YouTube channel. That's gonna be at donfelker.com slash YouTube. You're gonna learn everything you need to know about how to become an independent consultant as a mobile developer or just even a software developer in general. I'll teach you from the ground up everything you need to know and that much more. I look forward to seeing you over there. Again, that's gonna be at donfelker.com slash YouTube or just check the link in the show notes. Thanks again, everyone. Have a good day. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.